Welcome to the Women in Wales First Poetry in a Climate of Change podcast. I am Jordan Imani Keith, Seattle Civic Poet 2019 to 2022. This series highlights the shared experiences of women who recognize the intersectional risks and benefits we share with the whales of the Salish Sea. Hi, I'm Jordan Keith, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Women in Wales First, Poetry in a Climate of Change. Our guest today is one of the participants in our cohort, Rashina Fountain. Originally from Chicago, Rashina is a multi-genre writer and interdisciplinary educator living in Seattle. Fountain is a past Walker Communications Fellow with National Audubon. She is currently a MFA prose candidate at the University of Washington, Seattle, where she is working on an environmental essay collection. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to have this conversation with you, Rashina. I've been wanting to for a while. So I would like you to tell the folks listening to us today about your MFA, your work, and if in any way it was part of why you responded to the call to participate in the uh, the workshop, Women in Wales, specifically because the workshop asked people if they saw themselves or rather that they needed to see themselves as the question, are you an endangered species, and recognize their intersectionality. Can you tell me what made you respond to the call? So specifically, I was working on a piece at the University of Washington in in my workshop class. Um, And the piece was thinking about my journey from Illinois to the West and kind of thinking about what perceptions I had of the West or like what species I thought about when I was coming to the West, specifically to Seattle, the Pacific Northwest. And uh, before I even came to Seattle, I, I remember watching videos um, of people in a canoe and rowing, and there's like all these orcas around them, and I'm looking, and there's like this musical background, and it just looks peaceful, and the orcas are happy. And so that's kind of what I came to Seattle kind of with that lens, definitely wanting to see an orca. Um, <laughs> I came for education, but the flora and fauna were something that really excited me. And so I was reflecting on that experience coming to Seattle almost five years ago, but also thinking about how I traveled across Puget Sound quite a bit for one of my graduate internships to Bainbridge Island and always staring at the water and wanting to like see an orca, desperately wanting to see it. Um, But also as I got further into my education and further into like learning about flora and fauna um, and kind of the plight of Puget Sound, that expectation quickly changed, right? Because of my learning about orca history, kind of the displacement and of orcas historically and what that has done to populations and also just understanding that um, they're a threatened species and the likelihood or my yearn to really want to see them in, in the open quickly changed because I began to think more about 
them being safe or them surviving as a species rather than uh, me seeing them. But when I saw the call, it was just like refreshing that there was a space that was specifically calling for people to think about whales and think about them as, you know, the plight of them and that they're endangered, but also kind of this intersectionality between, you know, how I feel about the whales and also kind of the self-reflections that I've done uh, in my work and also in some ways like identifying with the plight of the whale, um, whether that is thinking about my own surroundings or or my own displacement, right? Mm. Um, The piece that I was working on kind of talks about that and talks about my own displacement and thinking about Talikwa and when she was carrying her baby across the water. I know that got a lot of attention. A lot of people saw that. But also, like, when I was crossing Puget Sound, um, often traveled across there with my daughter. And so um, there were some kind of connection I felt in that way or some kind of reflection. Yeah, specifically having a daughter and traveling those waters. And I never have heard anyone use the word displacement. And it's resoundingly apt. When you talk about the whales and what they have been displaced by and one of the current threats, right, is the industry of watching them. People are practicing safety and keeping a distance. But when you talked just now about going across Bainbridge, what came to mind that people can look up later is when um, the bones of Chief Chief Seattle were moved, the whales... The orcas followed the Bainbridge Ferry across the water. And then, you know, because it's a newspaper, they couldn't say anything about what spiritual or ancestral or otherwise connection. It's not a mystical piece. It's just like, oh, it's this coincidence that the the whales are following. Like, I don't know what planet you really think you live on where <laughs> this ancestor and the orcas that would have known him <laughs> would not be able to know that he was on that boat. I mean, so I wonder even you having a daughter and being on that boat and in those waters and you said you're desperately looking for an orca. And then the short amount of time not finding one, right? You, that's That had been and somewhat is a fairly common sight. But what do you mean? There's words we use. What do you mean by displacement? Like for yourself, you, you elected to come here from Chicago, right? Yes. So how, how does that, or is that the point of displacement? You mean that, that you see a similarity between? yourself? I think when I, when I think about displacement, it starts like before my generation and specifically a lot of my work is looking at um, displacement in my family. Mm-hmm. And so um, my grandmother is from Mississippi, but was part of the Great Migration, right? 
And so that's why my family's in Chicago. And that's something I've been looking into. Um, part of the family, like, stayed in Mississippi, but my grandma was a sharecropper. You know, moving to Chicago allowed for her to eventually um, own a middle-class home and find more opportunity. And so displacement for me is also um, thinking about my experience in inner-city Chicago. So there's a, there's a place that Grandma went for hope, but also um, there are a lot of things that happen in terms of disinvestment in, in community where I'm from, which is Austin on the west side of Chicago, and war on drugs, and, 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 a, and a lot of different issues that the, the neighborhood face. So a lot of that has kind of driven my displacement, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, a generation before grandma going from Mississippi to Chicago to find better opportunity um, because of circumstances around there that drove that type of displacement. or um, And then in Chicago, you know, a lot of my family members um, have to make a choice in some way um, that isn't necessarily driven by the yearn to leave or the yearn or out of the love of Chicago, but is driven by survival, mm-hmm. um, is driven by trying to escape some of the systems in that area, particularly where I'm from. So a lot of my work um, thinks about home, thinks about what does home mean to me and kind of what keeps that cycle of displacement? What are the... And so when I when I think about orcas and think about um, displacement and how I can kind of relate is because there's a degradation that is leading to that displacement, right? And so our environments aren't safe for us. Wow. So that's kind of how I relate. Degradation and displacement. That is precisely a spot of intersection. When you were talking about this, I thought how I am a subscriber to the Orca network that they give you a phone call if you want and tell you where there's whale sightings. And, you know, sometimes the phone rings six, seven, ten times a day. What I've noticed in the most recent calls is all of the sightings of orcas have been what is called by some people the transient orcas or the bigs orcas, not the resident pod. I've noticed that, and I'm like, well, where did they go? You know, they're in search for food, right? But a degraded home, forcing displacement. I appreciate that choice of of word. I, I want to ask you a question about your your writing, and does it provide you a distance from it? I ask it because you say, on one hand, what my writing explores. And then then you're speaking very intimately about your experiences. How does writing help you to examine these? These are huge things you're talking about. Does it help you? I think writing for me has always been a way to um, try to understand. And so even as a child, I always wrote. And so just inquiry, just wondering 
about my surroundings, wondering about my identity. You know, my first poem was asking why the sun wouldn't come out <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, so I think writing is where I find voice. And also, I think writing is where I find community and like understanding. And also, I feel like writing it onto the page, I, I find community in that because I, I feel like there are things that I'm thinking about and only thinking through and only thinking that I'm the only person thinking through this. And so if I'm getting it on the page and trying to understand, but also being serious about my craft and working on my craft, I mean, I think writing can change. Mm. Your poem from the workshop, I would like to invite you, ask you to read it for the audience, because when I saw your application and learned what you were writing about, and yes, I did Google you as well. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, there's another one of us on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it made me not, it made me feel less alone immediately. And so thank you for, for answering the call. I would like to have you read your pantoum and to tell our listeners that the seven of us in the cohort wrote pantoums, which is a Malaysian form where the lines repeat. We elected to use one line from each other's work, one line that had been part of the submission as part of each of our poems. So we're also connected, and I, I'm really excited to hear your poem. Thank you, and I appreciate you sharing that. Definitely the same experience, and um, I've, I've known of your work. <laughs> so <laughs> Also, the opportunity to work with you was another reason I answered the call. This poem is called A Requiem for a Home. What are the glimmers of hope in changing tides? Dormant dreams can awaken Mount Rainier on Coast Salish land. For now, an overseer directs Salish seas and mamas chasing the moment. A tragedy of gaze stuck between seen and unseen. Dormant dreams can awaken Mount Rainier on Coast Salish land. So songbirds cease to sing the blues for Chinook's salmon, a tragedy of gaze, stuck between seen and unseen, a requiem for a home on all lands that touch all ancestors. So songbirds cease to sing the blues for Chinook's salmon, echolocate missing and murdered women, a requiem for a home on all lands that touch all ancestors. In somber falsetto, when you tell me I'm not her. Echolocate missing and murdered women, scream the refrains, tell us we're winning at losing, eluding. In somber falsetto, when you tell me I'm not her, when you don't bring her home. Scream the refrains, tell us we're winning at losing, divest from empty hands that betray all lands that mingle, when you don't bring her home. I remember her, sir, my bones don't rattle my skin. Divest from empty hands that betray all kinds that mingle to awaken to Homa, to remember. I remember her, so my bones don't rattle my skin, so my footprints don't complement murky seas. Echolocate missing and murdered women, for now 
an overseer, direct sailor sees and mama's chasing the moment in somber falsetto when you tell me I'm not her. What are the glimmers of hope in changing tides? Thank you. When you were reading, I felt that in my chest. I wasn't sure if I was holding my breath at first. When you said the words, when you don't bring her home, it suddenly moved from headlines of missing and murdered indigenous women and the ways people might understand our risks. I wonder for yourself as a woman, as a black woman, do you think of yourself as an endangered species? Do you worry? Yes, I think when in that line, what I was channeling is some of my personal experience. I think one of the essays in my collection talks about, um, it's, it's about geography, but it's also about geography of my body or geography of the body. And so there's a, um, where I talk about in the past being, one night, like hunted, you know, luckily I got away. Mm-hmm. Um, but like being in danger, um, and what that did to me, um, and kind of also in the context of understanding, especially where I'm from in Chicago, understanding how brown and black girls go missing, um, often not to the alarm of if the, you know, if they weren't children of color. And so that's that's something that I did think about, something that is starting to be talked about in Chicago. So I think in that line, I thought about that. And I also thought about missing and murder indigenous women, but also like that's not my experience. And so, mm-hmm. um, but I did think about my own experience as well in terms of um, being a mother, <laughs> you know, and having a daughter, um, but also having my own experience and like reflecting on how that's a problem Mm. in Chicago, in in my neighborhood, in my experience. And, you know, I've been touched by that. Wow. The words being hunted and the geography of your body. Because that's the second time I stopped breathing for a moment. And I thought when you were talking about Tony K. Bambara's book, um, which I believe Toni Morrison finished for her because Toni K. Bambara passed away from breast cancer before. It was finished, I think that's the book. It's called These Bones Are Not My Children. And it was about the missing and murdered kids in Atlanta Hmm. for once when um, the missing black children were headlines. It was also during the time of the war in El Salvador um, so the chant was, save Atlantis children, not El Salvador's junta. And so when you were talking about what experiences, how how they're different, but they're, they're happening simultaneously. And I want to honor the geography of, of you. Um, and, and if you will close us with a poem that you wrote, you told me a little bit about the places that are, that are there that are actually around Chicago. So would you read it for us, please? Sure. I'd love to read it. So this poem is called um, Morning on Eaglewood. And so when I was writing it, I was thinking about South Side of Chicago, 
Um, I was thinking about the west side of Chicago, but it also reflects kind of this intersectional piece and also kind of my lens of environmental education and um, environmental memory. And so it is a reflection of my experiences in Chicago, but also broadens up kind of these environmental concerns and displacement. Morning on Inglewood. Soil ain't no hope when dirt frazzles. City children long-winded in vain. Tree dust silences growth when day runs away cause carbon dioxide ain't no enemy to oaks, to Douglas firs, to the gentrifying, our urban corpse, us, lost in the rifts, a morgue, age old, so affluent, see, why breathe? Grandma ain't no hope when dirt frazzles, grandchildren short-winded in vain, concrete stunts a north wind green fades away cause nickel bags of fuck eerie streets lock us to wars to a vote to the policing our invasive beetles us lost in the clips to mourn inglewood duck linger to breathe mm, thank you environmental memory well you're housing it in your words thank you for sharing your reflections on your life and your poetry and your prose writing that I look forward to hearing as well. Thanks for being here today, Rashina. Thank you for having me and thanks as always for creating this space and for your work. The Women and Wales Poetry in a Climate of Change podcast was made possible through the support of the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Jack Straw Cultural Center, and Urban Wilderness Project. I'd like to thank Gretchen Yanover for our theme music, and thank you listeners for joining us. Learn more about the Women and Wales Poetry in a Climate of Change project at urbanwildernessproject.org.